0: here in Texas, I love Texas, we were down in the San Raven area um, for a couple of weeks, and uh, have a boat down there, and so we got on the lake at least one time. It was bad weather, a lot of rain, so anyway, we ended up uh, finishing up there, and then coming here, preach there. In the center area, center Texas, and then uh, we're looking at uh, building something. Actually, uh, building something in Texas. I like Texas because it's still America. Say Amen right there. Yeah, yeah. I bring I bring you greetings from the the communist country of Illinois. Behind the iron curtain, for sure. Um, we actually live in Iowa. We've lived in Leon, Iowa. Or our residence there for the last eight years. And so that's where we, our residence is. But we pastored in Illinois for 40 years, the same church for 40 years. So if I'm an example to you, preacher, he's going to be around a long time. If you don't like him now, you just need to take him out back and shoot him because <laughs> he's going to be around for a long time. So it's a joy to see them again and their wives and children. They're all growing up. Time marches on, doesn't it? Does it not? When I talk, took Northwest Bible Baptist Church, I was 29 years old. I'd been in the ministry in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, assistant pastor Dr. Buchanan, and then uh, the Lord let me up north, go to school, go to college, and then I, of course, uh, took Northwest at 29 and stuck around for 40 long years. Forty years is a long time to stay anywhere and work anywhere, is it not? Especially pastor and Baptist. So. I do archery a lot, I, I hunt a lot, and so uh, I've done archery for 35 years, I guess, exclusively. And so uh, we, I, I stepped down in April, and from April, April, May, June, and one week in July, uh, after I had retired, I preached 80 times. And so after that, we went to Africa for 46 days, and so kind of uh, decompressed there. And uh, you decompress by slinging arrows, (laughs) and that's how I decompress. And so I decompress quite often for 46 days. Started growing a beard there, and uh, I'm going to shave it when hunting season is over. With, but I'm a Cajun, and Cajuns hunt 12 months a year, so I'm not quite (laughs) sure. I'm not quite sure when I'm going to shave it, but anyway, I'm going to shave it within the next few weeks. I just want to aggravate some of the fundamentalists. All right. First John in your Bibles, please, first John. Thank you so much for the invite, preacher, and it's always a joy to come here to your good people, friendly people indeed. And I'm excited about your new building and how that thing's going to play out. You're going to enjoy it. I promise you're going to enjoy it. There's something about building and moving on. There are two things. Number one, it'll expose what you really have in membership. Because if you're going to move forward, you're going to have to understand it's going to take some sacrifice. No great church is ever built without sacrifice. So somewhere you're going to have to sacrifice and see how God's going to do that. And it ain't about you. And it ain't about the preacher. It's about him. And if he wants to advance the cause, you need to be a part of that. Normally we plan stuff and then invite God in on it. What you need to do is invite God in and find out what He's doing and get on His plan. And when you do that, you're going to do all right. You'll never fail doing that. First, John in your Bibles, please. It's good to have the wife with me this time. I think last time, have you ever been here, baby? You hadn't been? You, you were here one or on Sunday or what? One time, I guess. And so she was here last time. Were you dealing with your mother? I think she did. So Kim's with me. And she's become a killer, too. She uh, she's a city girl, never been in the woods in her life. I took her out, shot a turkey in in uh, Iowa, and uh, she got just absolutely turned on. So I, I showed her a few hunting uh, videos for, uh right after I married her, and a couple of my buddies that are on TV that you guys watch. They when they shoot a deer, or something they breathe heavy. You know? <laughs> just a minute, let me sit down. You know, they get, she said, "Is this a man thing?" I said, "No, it's a adrenaline dump." I said, "You'll find out what I'm talking about." When she shot that turkey, I had a bit, my big camera going, and she shot that turkey. She got I turned the camera on. I said, is this a woman thing? <laughs> she said, what's happened to me? I said, this is why we do what we do. That's why. So I bought, her, I bought her a bow, and she started drilling tacks. I mean, she can shoot that bow. I got too many football injuries. I shake a little bit, but boy, she got to drilling tacks. So. I hang her next to me in a stand, I let her shoot what I don't shoot, and all she shoots is Pope and Young Bucks, I think. We've been married, for, we start our 15th year in January. Can you believe that? That's hard to believe In 15th year in January, and I think she's got over, she got over 15 Pope and Young Bucks, she's got a Pope and Young Elk, she's got two stags from New Zealand, she's got seven, seven African animals. Now, I want, I want to help you men. Now, I'm here and I want to help. I'm going to pastor you a little bit for a couple of days, but let me help some of you men with something. Don't ever get your wife into your hobbies. <laughs> it, it costs tremendously. First of all, you got to buy her her garb, right? So you got to buy all the camo. Then you got to buy her weapons. Y'all not listening to me. You all be taking notes some of you men. You got to buy her weapons. But then it didn't dawn on me, I got to, I got to mount her animals. That's like, a, that's like a side job, right? So, uh, but anyway, we, we certainly enjoy being together. And she didn't do anything in Africa this year, but, but uh, film me. And uh, she got scared at one time, I shot another Cape buffalo with my bow. And uh, that's black death, that thing will kill you in a heartbeat, right? So she's filming this thing. And he runs out from here to the, like from here to the back door and just turn around the stairs into that blind. And she thought he was gonna charge us and kill us all. And she's back here praying, I don't want to die like this. (laughs) So so anyway, got to keep your wife honest, amen? (laughs) First John in your Bibles, please. Pick it up, if you would, in verse... uh, Let's pick it up in verse 5, and this is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him... And I think that's what we're looking for. Fellowship with him and walk in darkness. We lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess, I want you to circle that word confess right there. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and, the, and his word is not in us. Father, help us a little while in this Sunday school class to learn something from thy word. We thank you for this church and this testimony and the good pastor and wife, family that you've given it and pray that you'd bless And I pray, dear God, please that you would advance them in a good way to reach this community of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless today in power. Pray that you'd save the soul nearest hell, revive backsliders. Teach us something from thy book, we ask in Jesus' name. And amen. True confession brings forgiveness. Or what is true confession of sin? I've been in this a long time, and me being a... Roman Catholic for 20 years and saved out of that. There was something that we did, of course, when some of you ex-Catholics understand what I'm talking about, when you go into a confessional booth and just confess your sins, supposedly, to a man who can't forgive you of anything. In fact, if he don't have his sins forgiven by the one who died for him, he will die and go to hell also. When I got saved by the grace of God in a fundamental, independent, temperamental Baptist church like this, I had to understand something very clearly, that there is a way to confess your sins that's pleasing to God Almighty. And there's other times when we so-called confess our sins that just don't get the job done. So I want you to notice what he says here. There's a, there's a true confession of sin, and everybody here needs to understand uh, that we're all sinners. We just read that, we they were not. The truth of the matter is that many of us in this room, we excuse ourselves of sin because of 1 John 1, 9. We abuse 1 John 1, 9. We're not to abuse it just because we understand we're secure in the blood of Jesus Christ. And just because we know we can go to Him and have our sins forgiven, that we'll go ahead and sin. That's trotting the blood of Jesus Christ underfoot. We should never do that, ever do that. But we also should, when we do sin, we should make sure that we confess it the way God wants it confessed. So I want you to see it, please, if you would. Every Christian has an enemy that will destroy us if not dealt with, and that's sin. Your pastor's not your enemy. Your mom and dad's not your enemy. The Lord is not your enemy. And if you're not careful, you're going to blame everything on Satan. Sin is your enemy. And we sin. And because we sin after the similitude of Adam, we need to deal with the sin that we commit. Please listen to me now. This is Sunday school lesson about trying to help you because you'll never have victory in your life. You'll never have the power of God in your life until you learn how to confess sin the way that brings honor to God. There's a way to honor God in confessing our sin. The biggest enemy is that of sin. I want you to notice five times in these verses, John mentions sin. John says, God is light and sin is darkness. So we have sin in our life, we have darkness in our life. And how can you say you have fellowship with light when there's darkness in your life? And what I'm trying to say is that since we are sinners and since we'll never live above sin, there's darkness that enters every now and again. And when darkness enters in, we got to get the darkness out by bringing the light in, by confessing the darkness. Everybody understands this clearly. If we were to darken this room to the point and there's no, no windows except out here, if we could blacken those windows and cut the lights out, it'd be totally dark. I mean, you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. But if you wait long enough, your eyes will adjust a little bit. and You'll get used to the darkness. And what happens many times in our life, we get used to the darkness that's in our life. And we excuse it. And God said it'll have nothing to do with that because what you're doing is now you're living in darkness. And he said, there is no darkness in him. Look at verse 5. You see it? So what John was emphasizing is that we ought not just talk the talk, but we ought to walk the walk. Your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. And so you need to understand that you need to be what you say you are. And you can't do that if you are living in darkness. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I mean, I've got, I hear Christians now talk about doing stuff that God absolutely forbids in the Word of God, and they say they're as saved as you are. So, well, don't you believe in liberty? Don't you believe in grace? And don't you believe in uh, soul liberty? Yes, I do. But I also believe the book, the book. And when I believe the book, when God said, don't do that, you ought not do that. And if you're going to sit and talk about with your mouth, how much you're saved in that walk in darkness. You're going against the book any way you look at it. You might be saved, but I tell you, are sure going against the book. And how can you say you have the anointing of God and the power of God in your life when you're living in darkness? You can't live in darkness and walk with Him. See, the Christian life ought to be walked out, not just talked about, right? So I want you to look at, at the word confess. Look at verse 9. You see that word confess? Circle it, underline it. In a margin of the Bible put, agreeing with God about your sin. So what it is, is is this. Please listen to me now. Whatever's in, going on in your life, I don't know about it, and you definitely don't know what's going on in my life. And shouldn't. It's none of your business. It's none of my business. First of all, I can't help you with it. <laughs> I can't forgive you. So you got to go to one that can forgive you, not the priest in a, in, a, in a box, but the high priest that died for your sins. He can forgive you. Are you with me now? So let me ask you a question. Since God seeth in it, thou God seeth thee. If God can see in the dark, why would you try to hide from him what he already knows about you? Let me show you what I'm talking about. And you know this will be true. Every one of us in this room have done this. Dear God, forgive me of my shortcomings. Like he doesn't know that. <laughs> I can look at you and tell you you've got a lot of shortcomings. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Lord, forgive me of my faults. He knows that too. Lord, forgive me of my sins. He knows that too. But what, what sins? Mm-hmm. Folks, please listen. I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm trying to give you God-honoring confession of sin. You name it and claim it and name it and nail it. And when you do that, God said, now. Now we're talking. Because I already know what You did. He seeth in the dark. Since, since he knows what you did, why don't we just go ahead and tell him what he already knows because that's what we're trying to get forgiveness of, what he already knows about it. Think about that for just a moment. It's a shame many times when we allow these things to pile up in our life to the point we're under the burden of all of these sins that we think are forgiven, and yet we have never, ever named and nailed it. We go around depressed. Christians ought to be the happiest people on planet Earth. We're we'll have the joy of God, the abundant life. If you doubt what I'm saying right now, you go around tomorrow. I'm going to show you what's happening to Christendom. You go tomorrow on Monday, wherever you work, wherever you go, and just whistle. Start <laughs> whistle one of the Christian songs. And people are going to go. You don't hear that anymore. We used to hear that all the time. People whistle all the time. and they'll go, And they'll say, what are you happy about? Jake Robado is on, on our staff for, because I hired a little kid. Got to get him a little platform where he stands up where you see him over the pulpit, but he's a little short. Dad was an attorney in our church for 17 years. The dude whistles all the time. All the time, and all of his whistle, and I said, son, come here. You're guilty about something. <laughs> so, anybody whistles that much, you're guilty about something. <laughs> right. But do it, and think about it for a minute, because that's where we're at. I'm not being unkind, but... Man, we're, we're, not, we're, not even, we're not even living the victorious life because we're under this burden of so much stuff. And I'm simply saying that what we need to do is just open up and make sure that we tell God what He already knows about us. Our life ought to back up what our lips say. I say it often, we're long on lip and short on life in the Christian life. And open sin is hypocrisy in the Christian life. There's some of you in this room, you know it because it happened to me also. All of us were saved at some point in time and we had a lot of baggage, right? If you're saved at 20 years old and lived the life I lived, you had a lot of baggage. And when I got saved, man, I I just, I laid the baggage down. I laid some of the sin down because I knew, I knew as soon as I got saved, that can't be right for a Christian. But there's some things I didn't know about. But not only that, there's some sins that I laid down, and then there's some sins that had me. I had some sins, but then some sins had me. Boy, those are the ones you struggle with. And you're in this room, you know who I'm talking about. You're struggling with it, man. It's just so hard to kick, kick this thing. Some of it's habitual sin. There's a difference, folks, when you have sin, you can turn it loose versus habit. Preacher, if I could, if I could train you on anything... There's some people that are absolutely physically codependent upon certain things, and you've got to get victory over that thing. You've got to help them through that. There are folks in this room like that right now. And until you confess it and repent of it, you're not going to get victory in it. But I'm simply saying that, that you know that you've had people come to you and said, wait a minute, you, you call yourself a Christian, you do this? That's what they'll say. Because the truth of the matter is when you tell people you are born again, When you tell people you're a Christian, they're going to watch you. They're going to watch everything you do, everything you say. And some of the worst enemies you have is your own kinfolk. They're watching everything you do. And boy, when you try to witness to them, tell them how you got saved. See, preacher, this is what's happened. There was a day when we'd go into our closet, confess our sins or our heartache. But now we're going on Facebook and World Wide Web and letting everybody know what a failure God is. And they're blaspheming God because of us doing it on the World Wide Web. Folks, I don't really care what you know. I'm not gonna advertise to you about anything. I'm gonna go in my closet and take care of business. Does everybody understand that? And this is what's happening this social media is absolutely damning Christianity in the eyes of other people. It's a shame. But I'm simply saying that, uh, you know, open, open sin is hypocrisy in the Christian life. Walking suggests, uh, look, look what it says, that we're to walk. Look in verse 7, if you would, please. And verse 6, we're to walk, not walk in darkness, we're to walk in light. Look at me, folks. Walking means progress. It means movement. We're going somewhere. Backsliding is sliding back. But if we're walking, are you with me now? So if progress, we have to progress with a growing grace and knowledge of Christ. There are folks in this room right now, I'm looking around, I know some faces you were here when I got here. I can look at you and tell that you've been saved a long time, probably longer than I have, and you're good Christians. I can also see those, some of the new ones that you introduced me to. There's a few new ones here that, um, that were here when I first came that's still here. You've grown in grace. That's walking forward. That's moving forward. And we're to do that. Every one of us here should grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. And you're not going to do that if you don't confess your sins the way God would honor God. I want you to look at it one more time. Agreeing with God, confessing, agreeing with God what He already knows about you. That will cause God to be honored by you confessing. Growth occurs in light, by the way. You know that. Are you all whipping now? Walk in the light. Growth occurs in light, not in darkness. Let me tell you what what grows in darkness, mold. If you want a moldy life, just go ahead. You know, uh, I think Bob Smith has preached here before. Uh, He preached uh, the sermon I got saved under, Amos 3.3, "Can can two walk together except they be agreed. And I understood that day when I sat there as he preached on sin that I couldn't walk hand in hand with Jesus and do the stuff I was doing. And I got a conviction, and I came and got born again that day. Now, so now, if we confess as Christians, and and how how are we to to confess uh, our sins in in a right way? I want you to see it now. Uh, what is true confession? I want you to write this down. First of all, and I said said it before. I want you to look at the word confess. It means to admit. It means to say the same thing that God says about it. Are y'all with me and watch? I'm just an alcoholic. Now that almost sounds like a disease and they're saying that. Don't freeze up on me, folks. You know that the medical profession is calling it a disease. It ain't a disease. You catch a disease. You don't grab a disease and drink it. It ain't a disease. Let me tell you what God calls it. Drunk. You're a drunk. So if you have a problem drinking in this room, why don't you just say what it is? Tell God what it is. And maybe you can get victory over it. We have an addiction program at our church, and that's what they need to do. Are y'all with me now? This is what I had to do before God ever gave me victory in some of my life. I had to tell Him exactly what it was. Are y'all with me today? Let me show you what I'm talking about. Do you understand the homosexual crowd? It's okay to say homosexual. okay to say gay. say okay to say queer. They're accepting all that right now. Why don't you go ahead and use biblical terms, what God Almighty calls it, sodomy, and see what they do. They'll hate your guts. There's something about biblical words that God Almighty put together that'll cut deep, man. It'll cut. It'll separate that flesh and that spirit. That's what what the Word of God does. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That means that sword will comfort us at times. It'll protect us at times. And other times, it'll cut us to the quick. So understand when you call it what God calls it, it has a punch to it. By the way, as long as your preacher is gonna preach that book, there's gonna be some punch to it and you ought to amen. Every one of you ought to amen and shout amen for a preacher got enough guts to preach a book. That's what this world needs. We don't need smiley. I saw smiley on TV just a while ago. I do smiles too much, man. He said, well, look at that big crowd he has. If you ain't nailing sin down and talk about how power, you know, positive everything is. Hell ain't positive, folks. People going to hell ain't positive. That's a negative thing. And you may go ahead and buy a big old football arena and pack it out, but that don't mean nothing. Amen. 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 Some of the biggest crowds I've ever seen for I got saved the Rock concert. Amen. So what you need to do is confess your sin. It means admit, admit it. To confess means to say the same thing that God says about your sin. You name it and call it what it is that God calls it. And when you do that, you're honest with yourself and with God. The, mo- the greatest deception is self-deception. And we're good at that. Boy, it's ho- folks, it's hard. You know, sir, when you, really, when you do something really that was not, not really good, it just wasn't right with your wife. You you were wrong and you know you're wrong, sir, but you're such a man. You can't can't confess that to your wife. You can't go ask her apology. You're too much of a man. Or either threatened by a woman (laughs) or either insecure in your manhood. Sit still, sir. (laughs) When you're wrong, you ought to go to your wife and get before and say, sweetheart, I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, it's hard to say sometimes. But buddy, when you sin against a holy God, it's hard sometimes to say what it is. Let me advance the, the argument. The Old Testament says that if you commit adultery, woman, if you have fornication, woman, or have sexual woman, it's, it's adultery. New Testament says if you look upon a woman and lust after her, you've committed adultery in your heart already. As some people say, well, that's old. Ta- no, excuse me. New Testament, because Jesus Christ came, you're more accountable now than you ever have been in your life. Right, right. Right. You Can't kill a brother, right? Ten Commandments, can't kill somebody. But if you have hatred in your heart, you've killed him, all, right? Come on, talk to me now. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. See how easy it is to sin. In fact, the Bible says the thought of foolishness is sin. Yeah. I think we've all been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that this week. <laughs> foolishness. It's fun. It's sometimes it's fun to have fun, but sometimes foolishness. Some of you look like somebody slapped, slapped you away from your Cheerios today, right now. You're looking at me <laughs> strained, but. Preaching. Got to call it what it is. And we don't call it what it is, because we don't call it what it is, it has none effect. And it's hard sometimes to get it out of your mouth because you want to believe, did I really do that? <laughs> Number two, confession brings cleansing. Immediate confession <laughs> brings cleansing. Folks, you'll know that there, there's some of y'all in this room been old enough to know that when you truly confess and say what God says about it, when you get off your knees, you're absolutely feel clean. I've been in some wild parts of the world. I've been in Africa, Africa quite a bit. As a rule, we have a place to shower and, and keep clean, but I've been in Alaska. Nine times, and I've been up there sometimes for 12, 15 days. There ain't no place to clean up there except those cold glacier streams. Now, you might be the man, but I ain't the man when it comes <laughs> to that. I'll go about this deep, about as deep as I'll go. And I, oh, 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 man. I, I think I'll just stay dirty. I just, I mean, I've been in there before, brother, and I just kind of sloshed a little bit of water up on my face. Oh, Oh, man, it's horrible. So cold. So sometimes you got to bring wipes, baby wipes. That's the way to go now. <laughs> Don't on me later. Since I'm not a baby, I never use them. Since I never changed a diaper, I didn't know how good they were, right? <laughs> so, but that's the way to do it anymore. I just couldn't wait to get back. And, man, when we finally flew back and got on civilization, which was not civilization, was a little... Little place where I had a mission and a uh, missionary, and uh, had a couple thousand people in that whole, that whole little community, 33 miles north of the Arctic Circle. Just get in that hot shower and just sit there for like for eternity. And then you clean up, and when you get out, you feel so clean. And the truth of the matter is, when you get on your face before God and you confess it the way it needs to be confessed you'll get up off your knees and feel so okay. good. Look at me now, and I'm, I'm about to throw him. We'll land the plane here in a minute. Do you remember when you got saved? Yeah. Are you saved? Yeah. Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember how you felt when you got off your knees? Yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 I tell you, folks, I don't know about you, and I'm gonna trying to pour you in my mole, but when I got off my knees, I said, man, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened Amen, to me. Yeah. I cannot believe what happened. Big old rough football player, you know. If I if I came down the aisle and anybody and the preacher called my name, people that wrote the, read the sport page would know who I was. I thought sissies the the ones that got came to, to the Lord and I I got saved and I'm sitting there just sobbing, weeping. I said I can't believe this. I remember I when I got in a car with with my first wife. She was my girlfriend then. We were just about to get married. Looking for a place to get married. That's why we went to Central Baptist Church. I remember when I got in that car after I got saved, I started beating that dashboard like they're just hitting this hard again, almost shattering the thing. I said, "Where have I been all my life? Why hadn't somebody told me this wonderful story?" Come on! I'm just building beating it. I was looking at her, wondering why she didn't tell me the story. She was a member of the church. Right. Come to find out, why she was lost. Yeah. She got saved a year after I got saved. Amazing. I remember I got home, got to her house, and her mother was. Absolute rejoicing. At the time, I had hair way down my back, long, long beard, longer than this. Which means that I'm retired now. I may grow my hair back longer again. but <laughs> I got to thinking, you can't grow it on your hair, grow it, grow it on your head, grow it on your face, right? But if I do this, I'm going to get a ponytail. But anyway, no man bun, just ponytail. No. And I remember I called my mom and dad immediately and I told them, I said, I got saved today. They didn't even understand what I was saying but I was so excited about what happened to me. You remember how you felt when you got saved? The cleansing that you felt. You can still feel that if you have gone honoring confession. I'm going to hasten. There's two, there's two ways to cleanse, get this cleansing and confessing. There's two ways, judicial and personal. And I want you to see it. Judicial delivers me from the guilt of sin and gives me a right standing with God. So judicially, it gives me right standing with Him. That's when we can walk with Him in fellowship. You must understand that when you're saved, you're, it's like you're already seated in the heavenlies, the Bible says. Judicially, I'm standing before you today. I started to say, I know the man that I shaved this morning, but I didn't, so... I know who I looked in the mirror and saw today. And I know he's a sinner. And I I know that this is flesh and that flesh is always bent to wrong. We've got to fight that thing. That's what Paul said, crucify the flesh daily. But I want to announce today I'm standing before you right now absolutely pure and clean. And totally right in the sight of God Almighty, judicially. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered me and when God looks upon me, He looks upon me as pure. To think that, it just, it's the most awesome thing that I could ever say. To think that I'm absolutely pure in His eyes when I know better. But I'm not, I'm not pure in His eyes because of me, I'm pure in His eyes because of Jesus Christ who was my sacrificial lamb. That's what you need to understand. And to think that is just amazing. It's just So that's, that's judicially, but personally... That's inward cleansing of the heart. And that comes because we have now confessed it and we feel clean, just like the bathing. We feel clean now because it's a matter of the heart, and that is a personal inward cleansing. Go, if you would please, to Proverbs 28. Proverbs 28. How many you uh, how many of you know uh, the pot of gold ranch in comfort Texas raise your hand you know about the pot of gold and so I was a deacon now I had these believe it or not I mean I, I thought that if if I was a deacon maybe I could get rid of smoking I, I I had a I had a that sin had me I just I couldn't kick it it just I did everything I could have confessed it I begged God over it just, it seemed like I just couldn't see. That's that's the sins that have you addiction, right? Have you ever have you ever heard anywhere of any product where you can sue that company? Why can you sue tobacco companies? They had to deceive you to be able to, to sue them. Are y'all with me now? Can't sue booze. Get, nobody's suing the booze company. So that they they are talking about what they were doing was lacing tobacco with with. Nicotine and that stuff that's addicting. And so that's why you can sue them. That's what they did. They were suing tobacco companies. It had me. I, I didn't know what to do with it, man. I confessed it a thousand times. <laughs> I remember Bob Smith preaching on tithing or something. I'd come and kneel, and cigarettes fall out of my pocket, and he'd go, Look here, I'll preach on tithing. Brother Gomez gave up his cigarette. I did not give up my stinking cigarette. They <laughs> fell out of my pocket, and I had to go buy another pack. But anyway, so but it, it had me. And I, I figured this, and it's, it's stupid reasoning and I understand that, but that, that's what I'm trying to say. If you excuse me, I had to grow in grace and knowledge of Christ a little while. But I thought, I, and they wanted me. man, I was winning my football team. I was winning people to Christ. I, man, I had it going on. I was faithful. So they, they voted me in for the deacon and I should not have accepted. I still had that sin. I should not ever. But I thought, maybe if they make me a deacon, that would force me to quit because I thought it was just me, Right. And I remember I had just been voted in and went to the Pot of Gold Ranch with a bunch of the children and I was one of the, one of the counselors. And I remember we were in the, inside the, the place and, and uh, the dormitories and all. And I've got to tell you this funny story before I finish my, this story, but I, I just figured I'd pull something on the kids. I'm sorry, I still got a little kid in me, you know? So I, 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 um, I, I told Brother Ballard, Brother Ballard was one of my boys. And so I told him, I said, I'm going to get up in the middle of the night. I said, we're going to go out. We're going to tell the kids it's time for breakfast. Because if, at that time, when it was time for breakfast, it was still a tad dark. So I just got up and started yelling, get up, get up, time for breakfast. Them kids started rolling. Oh, Lord, that's a short night. And <laughs> they're brushing their teeth. Man. Some of them jumping in the shower, you know. And boy, I said, stand up, get in line. Everybody got in line. We marched out. I said, let's go to the dining hall. Everybody's in line, about 100 guys. One kid looks up and says, what is the moon doing right now? <laughs> I'm sorry. I've asked the Lord to forgive me a thousand times. But anyway, <laughs> Brother Ballard said, you're crazy. But one of those nights, about 2.30 in the morning, I didn't do that. I snuck out. I got up in a scrub oak tree. I said, dear God, I've got to get victory in this. Please help me. I said, would you help me? I begged you to help me to quit. He didn't didn't speak to me any more than he ever spoke to you, unless you ate too much Mexican food. But this is what he said in a small voice. I didn't help you start, and I'm not going to help you stop. You stop, and I'll give you the grace to stop. And he gave me this verse. Look at it in verse 13, 28, 13. Are you there? He that coveteth his sin shall not prosper. I said, Lord, I'm not covering it. I'm confessing it. Are y'all looking at that? Y'all looking at the same verse I'm looking at? Well, that's what I'm talking about, confession of sin. You can't cover it by calling it something other than what God calls it. Right? So look, he that covers sin shall not prosper. I want to prosper, don't you? Don't you want to prosper in the Christian life? I do. But whosoever confesseth, I've done that too, Lord. You know that I told you what it was, and I've confessed it. He said, keep reading on, son. Watch it. And forsake it. Bam. Now, there's the baseball bat across the forehead. Watch me. Repentance is turning around and going the opposite way. And when I understood that he didn't help me start, he's not going to help me stop, i got to stop, and he would, look at what he said, look what it says, and forsake them will have mercy. He's going to give me his mercy to stay quit when I repent. And I did and got victory over my sin because I confessed it and I repented of it. Let me ask you a question, some of you teenagers. Why do you go to the same camps, the same conferences, and you're always on the altar confessing the same sins that you confessed last year? Because you never really confessed it and said what it was and you never truly repented of it. You've got to repent of it before God will give you mercy. He certainly will. And He'll give you victory, every one of you. When you do that, you can come to church and sing the songs of Zion and have a smile on your face. You can pump hands and really say, glad you're here. You can really actually live the Christian life and people will know it and see it everywhere you go because you have victory in Jesus Christ. When the first wife died, um, I went and hunker down. I told you all that, I think, one time I was here. I hunkered down in Texas here at some Roloff boys that I had taught when I taught at house Anderson. And uh, they asked me to come. They, they pastor a church and have a, have a hunting concession. And so I hunkered down their place. And, and I remember uh, I, I wouldn't take any phone calls from preachers. I was grieving. So, But Brother Ballard called me. And he said, "Listen, I, I'm, I'm over here. He said, "I, I got to preach at the Potagol Ranch." He said, "Would you come, please? I want to see you. I love you. I've been praying for you. I didn't want to see anybody, but he's one of my boys. And I said, "Yeah, I'll come." So I went to the Potagonal Ranch. Dwayne Nichols in San Antonio, the pastor there, drove me there and, and we saw Brother Ballard. And we were there. He, he looked at me and he said he said, he called me Pop. He said, "Pop." He said, "Do you remember?" where you got victory over smoking. I said, no. He says, under this oak tree right here, and they showed me the oak tree, because everything changed at that camp. That was a holy place for me right there. When you get victory over something that's addicting, that was a victory for me. That's a holy place for me. God honoring confession of sin. It would be a good thing if maybe just between services, maybe just bow your head and tell the Lord some things, talk to Him a little bit. You might really get something out of the message this morning, Doing the preaching. There's something about being energized when you come to a church like this and hear the preaching, you walk away rejoicing in the Lord, seeing people saved and seeing lives change and your own life change. It's a wonderful thing when you walk away, knowing that you actually heard from God because you're cleansed now. The communication, you're walking in the light and now you can get it from God.